And we're back with episode 32 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host, Reed, with the co-host, Russ. And Russ, today, let's just jump right into it. No guest on today. Kind of took a little hiatus, a little break. Yeah. Since episode mm-hmm. 31, you know, school's going back. Big time. Russ, you start football this week. Before we get into some Georgia news, Russ, tell me what you feel about the Hornets season this year. You know, the Hornets, I feel like we're going to be a little hot this year. <laughs> we got some new coaches. Um, you know, the defense is really solid. By far, uh, you know, I'm I'm the free safety, so when you got me on the that side of the field, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a good time. But, you know, the offense, we still got to figure a few things out. But this Friday night, we should come out there and some wh- whoop some Deerfield butt, you know. <laughs> well, that's one way to say it. Um, let's go ahead and jump right into some Georgia news, Russ. You know, let's talk about some recruiting news really this summer. Georgia started the summer, month of June, month of July, really hot on the trail. Landed a bunch of big-time commitments, a bunch of four-stars. Offensive line really kind of bolstered up. Georgia's got the number one class in 2024, by the way, for those who don't know. But then last week, and really the week prior, we saw Georgia lose. You know, they had a five-star linebacker commit. He flips to Auburn. No big deal. We have a – okay, and everybody's like, okay, no big deal, no big deal. Then you see, you know, you see the freshman KJ or senior now Buford KJ Bolden, heavy favorite to commit to Georgia. He goes to Florida State, and then you see your safety commit already Peyton Woodyard. He decommits, flips to Alabama, and everybody's just kind of like running around with their head, running around like a chicken with its head cut off almost. And everybody's like, Kirby can't recruit in state. Kirby can't do anything in state. Georgia recruiting's falling apart. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? What are they going to do, Russ? And I just want to get your kind of initial reaction to all this. Well, you know, I was talking with uh, my dad the other day about, you know, all these recruits flipping. And, and uh, you know, the thing is, I don't know why, as a recruit, you would uh, say you're going somewhere mm-hmm. and then flip and go somewhere else. I mean, there's one possibility – and that's, you know, the money that comes with it. Obviously, mm-hmm. somebody else is paying them more, and they're going there. And, you know, maybe that's a better opportunity for them. But we sure like to have them at Georgia. I mean, but, you know. Well, we know Hugh Freeze, even when he was at Ole Miss, back when it was, quote-unquote, illegal to pay players, he was dishing out the money. So it's no surprise that Auburn's back to paying guys. And they that's great for Auburn. But Auburn's nowhere. The class that Auburn's putting together – it's nowhere near the class as far as quality that Georgia has put together. And I really don't think this is as big of a deal as people are making it. People are freaking out about defensive backs, but these young men aren't idiots. They see what is ahead of them at Georgia, Russ. If you look at the past two classes, especially that 2023 group, Georgia has signed some historically great recruits at defensive backs at corner at safety. And you see there's this like, oh, my gosh, like, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're not going to have any kids to play those positions. Russ, guess how many guys there are on the roster who have two years of eligibility left at defensive back who are four or five stars who haven't started a game yet? How many? Seven. There are seven guys sitting there who are high four stars, low five stars, sitting there, haven't started a game yet. Some of them haven't played a snap yet. And they still have two years, most of them probably three to four years left in the program to get developed, to get better, and some of them are going to make an immediate impact this year. Guys like Jonel Guayu, I can't really say his name. He's a freshman safety, but he's a guy who's bulked up, put on weight, and looks to be the part. 
Yeah, uh, you know, another thing hurting Georgia would be, you know, the injuries going on. Um, tell us a little bit more about that, Reed. You know, uh, Raylan Wilson, freshman linebacker, who's supposed to be kind of a immediate impact guy, five-star last year. He had a hyperextended leg injury, hyperextended knee, I think, last week, and everybody rightfully so that's a scary deal. But most of his x-rays came back negative. I think I read all came back negative. So that is a positive note. So hopefully he will be ready to play early in season. But hopefully Georgia doesn't even need to rush him back at that position. And then Lawson Lucky today, freshman tight end, very talented kid. I heard he um, has a severe ankle injury and he's going to be missing some time. So that's another guy who's just kind of like you really don't know too much about him as an athlete. You don't know too much about him, what he can bring. We know he's talented. We know he's fast. We know he's big. But, you know, it sucks to have these guys go down. Obviously, as it gets closer to the season and as we are inside of 20 days right now for a football game, you're kind of like holding your breath like, all right, all right, let's just make it through camp. Let's make it through camp. Let's make it through camp. But at the same time, these guys have to be hitting. These guys have to be putting on pads. And these guys have to get acclimated not only to the heat, that southern heat, but also they have to get acclimated to the contact, to the physicality of SEC football that they're going to be seeing once a week. Till December, you know. Yeah. Well, um, let's uh, let's talk a little Braves. How about it? All right. Let's talk a little Braves baseball. What you been seeing with the Braves? You know, they've got you know seventy seven wins, forty two losses. As we're making this video or this uh, this podcast, it's a it's a great time to be a fan in the state of Georgia, especially if you cheer for the right teams. Georgia Bulldogs, Atlanta Braves, not so much Falcons. We'll see about the Falcons coming up here. You know, you got people like uh, one of one of our our coaches at Westfield, uh, <laughs> Georgia Tech fan. You know, yeah, no. that's silly. Got to be miserable. You know, got to be miserable. But they're they're hot right now. Obviously, Ozzy Albies goes down with an injury the other night, and that's something that you're kind of concerned with because baseball is such a funny thing that once teams get in a groove, and then one thing. Changes, and that can mess up everybody. But I think Brian Snicker knows what he's doing with this team. Move Michael Harris up to the number two spot in the lineup. Michael Harris is hot as can be right now. But who isn't hot in that lineup? Ronald Acuna is going to be the NL MVP. Matt Olson's leading the league in home runs and RBI. Austin Riley's picking it up. Everybody in the back end. I mean, the lineup's just complete. Well, this article right here uh, says that the Braves are on pace to be the best home run hitting team in ML. MLB history. If that doesn't tell you something, you know. Balls have been flying. Will. The yeah. balls have been flying. The ball, I mean, even if they're losing, there's still somebody hitting one or two home runs in the games. And it's a, as a opposing pitcher, I mean, what you can't pitch around, guys, because let's say, okay, Ronald Acuna, you don't want him. If you walk Ronald Acuna, say start the game, he's going to steal a bag. Ronald Acuna's the best base runner in baseball right now. And everybody's always been Fernando Tatis, you know, Pescovius, Tatis, 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 superstar, superstar, superstar. Well, Tatis is an awful base runner. Tatis is kind of like a – he's a liability in the field when he was playing shortstop. You want to know who a real superstar is? Is Ronald Acuna. He's one that's going to stay for a decade. Yeah, for sure. You know, we've got a, a, a real franchise player, you know, kind of like Freddie Freeman. Uh now that he's gone, we have Ronald Acuna. So, mm-hmm. Russ, 
one thing we're talking about today, you know, inside of two weeks now till the season starts, I think it's 10 days from today there's college football, and Georgia doesn't play for 17 days. But 10 days from today there's a college football game, which is sounds like music in my ears. But, Russ, we decided we were going to do, you know, our top five most overrated players in college football. Obviously this list, these aren't bad players. These aren't players that we hate. These are just players that we think, hey, you know, they're getting a bunch of credit. They're getting – all this love, all this praise, and we really don't think they're that good. Yeah. So let's jump right into it, Russ. I'll go start with mine. My number five, this is probably going to get a lot of hate. This is probably going to get a lot of <laughs> people in uproar. I think Caleb Williams comes in at number five on my list. And I would honestly rank him higher if Russ didn't tell me I'm crazy. But <laughs> Caleb Williams, yes, he's a generational talent. Yes, he's a very good quarterback. Yes, he will probably be a great NFL quarterback one day. But what has Caleb Williams won? What has Caleb Williams done? What has he accomplished? <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. There's the Heisman. He's won the, he he won won the won an individual award. But as a team, if he's the best player in the country, should his? I mean, he. It seems like in big games he vanishes, and I. That's that's unfair. People, that's unfair. That's unfair. In Pac-12 championship, he got hurt. Pac-12 championship. Okay, he came back and he lost a bowl game, the Cotton Bowl, which is a big time bowl game, to Tulane. Tulane, yeah. the Green Wave. The Green Wave, he lost. I like Tulane, though. He got beat by Utah twice. He got beat by Utah at Utah in season. And Kyle Willingham is a great coach out there at Utah. But Utah has no business competing against a team like USC with the talent on that roster and the coaching are supposedly Lincoln Riley's a great coach. <laughs> great developer. But coach, I don't know. Great recruiter, sure. Coach, I don't know. What has He's won the Big 12. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's like – it's almost like, yes, and that, that's going to be something that everybody's going to be like, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. But until he wins something, to me, he is overrated. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, number four here, I've got Bo Picks. <laughs> uh, you know, Bo Nix uh, – I think this is ESPN that I'm looking at. They've got him rated at number 14 in the best college football players returning this year. Um, you know, he plays at Oregon. I mean, and what what did the dogs do to Oregon? Don't even bring, I mean, it, don't even bring up that spanking. The problem is he, he played at Auburn. And to, to try to get away from the dogs, he went over there to Oregon. Little did he know, out, still found the dogs were coming to Oregon. All right, now. And uh, oh, and I got a crown. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I he's a senior this year. Uh, I, th- I think he's going to be a decent quarterback. I just don't think he's, uh, you know, I don't think he's number fourteen in the best players in the country. I just don't mm-hmm. don't believe that at all. He's he's definitely. He's definitely improved as a player because, I mean, his first couple of years, he was awful. Oh, it's ridiculous. And now, you know, once well, after that Georgia game, he had a pretty darn good year. But still, I agree with that take overrated. Russ, my number three, probably going to get a lot of hate for this one too, Alabama cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry. Kool-Aid McKinstry, he was talked about hyped up in high school because he's got this weird nickname, Kool-Aid is what they call him. <laughs> Kool-Aid McKinstry. He played a good bit his freshman year. He played, started last year. 
and he's a good corner, but everybody's like, this dude's the best corner in the SEC. This dude's the best corner in college football. This guy, this guy's locked down. Nobody could do anything on this guy. But if I remember correctly, Kool-Aid McKintree, is he a good player? Yes. Is he probably going to be a good corner in the NFL? Sure. But Kool-Aid McKintree's not an untouchable corner. He's not somebody that you can just like you, – you can't just throw his way. Like you can do whatever – I mean, you're obviously going to try and, you know, not throw him the ball, but you're not going to just throw it. You can still throw it up over there, and he's not going to make some miraculous play. To me, Kamari Lasseter is twice the player he is. Kamari Lasseter, to me, is the best corner in the conference by far and that people just don't know his name because – Nobody went to his side last year because Keely Ringo was lined up across from him, and Keely Ringo got burnt a majority <laughs> of snaps last year. So, is Kool-Aid McKintree a bad player? No. But is Kool-Aid McKintree the best corner and maybe a top-ten player in college football? No, absolutely not. He is a he is an above-average, all-SEC at best corner. And I'm talking third-team all-SEC, not even the first or second team. But – I just think he's overrated, Russ. Russ, who you got for number two? This was uh, just me kind of scrolling, just uh, trying to find somebody who I really didn't didn't think should be on the list um, in the top 100. Uh, a guy that popped up was K.J. Jefferson, mm. the Arkansas quarterback. Um, you know, to me, this guy is not really a threat to any team. With a good solid defense, uh, obviously he's a he's a two way guy. He can run, he can pass, but you know, to me, he's more. They don't use him the correct way, in my opinion. And uh, you know, he's a he's a guy where you could develop and uh, become a good player. But right now, he just, in my opinion, is not uh, good enough to be number thirty on this list. Uh, there's guys ranked behind him that I believe are better than him. Uh, but that's just my personal opinion, and I'm not a big fan of KJ Jefferson. But you know, I don't, I don't want to uh, discriminate against somebody that I don't really have anything against. I just don't don't really see any talent in him, to be honest with you. You know, he's a, a lot of people picking him sneaky pick for Heisman. A lot of people saying Arkansas has a team to go the distance this year, and I, you know. I think that he's a good player. Obviously, shouldn't be ranked that high. Russ, my number one, and I thought about going with Arch Manning. I thought about it. I sat there and said, you know, that's obvious Arch Manning, but I don't think it's fair to say Arch Manning because he hadn't played a college snap yet. Russ, my number one most overrated player in the country is Joe Milton, the quarterback at Tennessee. Tennessee fans, ever since Hinton Hooker last year, have been treating Joe Milton like a Heisman favorite and treating this Tennessee team like a playoff team. And, you know, they have some right to be like, oh, optimistic, because, yes, Josh Heupel brought them back to to not star power, but brought them back to be kind of a decent kind of – they had a good team last year. Nothing crazy, but a good football team. And Joe Milton is a very talented quarterback. He's very good. He's obviously got a very strong arm, probably the strongest arm in the country. But if Joe Milton is as good as everybody has been saying he is for the past for this whole offseason and the past fall, 
why is it taking Joe Milton all the way to his sixth year to earn the starting job somewhere? Why is it taking him so long to finally get in the starting role? And it's not his first time starting games. It's not like he hadn't been given chances before. He was given an opportunity at Tennessee. He was given an opportunity at Michigan. And we saw how both those worked. He flopped. He's inconsistent. Is his accuracy great? No. Is he a great athlete? Yes, but is he is he great quarterback? I don't think so. And I don't think he can be consistent enough for this Tennessee team to succeed this year. And I just don't think I don't think he's going to be awful, but I think the expectations and just the praise and all that is just unrealistic. Like I don't think he's going to throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. I don't think Tennessee's going to win the East. I don't think Tennessee's going to win 10 games. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. The the, I mean, the Joe Milton hype is just kind of ridiculous. If he was if it was Hinton Hooker returning, I would say this team's gonna be pretty darn good, regardless of who you bring back, because Hinton Hooker is a very good quarterback. Hinton Hooker's accurate. Hinton Hooker has a great deep ball, and Joe Milton, he has the strong arm. Everybody's gonna say, well, he's got the deep ball. He's got that under control, but. And they're going to point to a game like Vanderbilt last – Vanderbilt, Russ. Oh, what, what, did you see the Vanderbilt game? I mean, they, they, they're fine with Joe Milton then. They're fine with him then. Yeah. Well, well I mean, they they ran a run central, run heavy offense that game. And, it, folks, it's Vanderbilt. I mean, you saw what how Hinton Hooker played in Athens. And Hinton Hooker, I think, is a heck of a quarterback. How's Joe Milton going to do? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question for – for anybody, uh, you know, the kid's got a got a cannon. I mean, it's Bazooka obvious. Bazooka arm. But can he control it? No, in my opinion. You know, that's just. I think the mental side is another aspect that just isn't like. Because the physical attributes are off the charts. I mean, he is he is a specimen. I mean, he's a he's a dude that you see him and you're like, hold up, that this kid's going to be good. But I, Russ. Is it unfair to say, hey, the freshman quarterback, Nico Yamaweva, the five-star, you think he's going to be starting midseason? I, I got a bad feeling about Joe Milton this year. Or a good feeling for me personally. <laughs> I personally am like, you know, Tennessee struggle, 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 struggle. Because, gosh, when Tennessee returns to national kind of prominence, the fans go off the <laughs> chain about every single thing. Yeah. the I'm, uh, I'm kind of excited to watch uh, – you know, the freshman coming in, uh, just to see what happens. You know, obviously, if Joe Milton has a good year, he's not going to play, but I could see Joe Milton having a flop year and, you know, might have to come back for his seventh year, you know. But, but Russ Stetson, you know, he's had to be in college for, what, 15, 20, <laughs> 20 years? How long was he in college? You know, I mean, people forget, you know, Hendon Hooker, hey, he was in college for six years too. But I'm going to leave it at that, Russ. That's going to be it for today's episode of Dog Football Weekly. We hope you enjoy.